This is Asha Voices. I'm J.D. Gray. Today, we're joined by one of Asha Voices' first guests, Pam Wiley. A 2020 Asha Honors recipient, Pam is the president and founder of the LA Speech and Language Therapy Center. There, she and her team provide treatment for children with communication disorders such as autism and continue to work with them as they become young adults. In the first part of this program, Pam tells us about the virtual town hall sessions she's been hosting this summer, designed for the families she works with. Inspired by the the turbulent news of the summer and the questions it created and joined by expert guests, Pam hosts conversations on issues like community policing, race, and voting. Basically what we wanted to leave the kids with was something tangible, something concrete that they could do so that they wouldn't necessarily have to feel like a victim in all of this. In the second half, we shift to a different topic, a workforce program Pam set up for the kids she works with as they transition out of high school. I'm J.D. Gray, and this is ASHA Voices. Support for ASHA Voices comes from ASHA's online conference, Practical Solutions for Elementary Assessment, Treatment, and Collaboration. This continuing education opportunity begins September 23rd. Save $100 when you register. Learn more at on.asha.org elementary. When Pam Wiley first appeared on this podcast, we talked about the training she provides to young adults with autism about interactions with police. During a workshop called Spectrum Shield, Pam helps facilitate a weekend of training between young adults with autism and law enforcement personnel. You can find that episode in your podcast feed or at leader.pubs.asha.org. The death of George Floyd and the protests that followed sparked a growing public outcry against police-perpetrated violence against unarmed civilians who disproportionately are people of color and or people with mental health or developmental issues like autism. We wanted to hear how SLPs working with young adults with autism were approaching the subject with the families they work with. She connected with me from her office in Los Angeles. First, Pam takes us back to earlier in the summer in the days after the death of George Floyd. Our kids were very, very concerned. Some were, were fearful. They didn't feel safe. And so I began to get a lot of telephone calls and text messages from kids basically sharing with me some of what they were feeling and asking sometimes for my advice. So one young man, for example, on a Monday morning who was considered one of the essential workers was headed out to work and wanted to know if, if I would go, if I were him, would I go to work given everything that was going on? He was afraid to go but he didn't want to miss work. Another young man called me one night late and said, you know, I'm concerned because, you know, you taught us to, to feel safe with police, but I don't know if I can trust them. I don't know who they are anymore. And so after a number of calls like that, I decided that I needed to do something because I said, I don't necessarily have answers. I'm as concerned and confused about all this as they are. And so we decided to hold town hall meetings. So the first town hall meeting basically dealt with community policing. And we had probably about 50 people on the line. We had parents, we had media people that were involved. We had a lot of different people, religious leaders. So we had a big, big group of people on that first call and it went very well. And then the second one, the theme was race, politics, and me. And so basically what we wanted to leave the kids with was some, something tangible, something concrete that they could do so that they wouldn't necessarily have to feel like a victim in all of this. And so we talked about how we now move forward together. Both of these meetings were really well received and we collected data from the kids in terms of what they learned, what they would have wanted more of, any questions they had. And it was all very, very powerful. And they felt 
a little better, as, as good as one can feel, given everything that's going on at this point in time. Right. These are huge topics for conversation. I'm wondering what some of the questions were that you were hearing from the kids and from their families. One grandmother in particular who's raising her son, He's. she said that he's tall, he's African-American, good-looking kid, wants to be out and about in the community. And she said, what's going to happen to him if he encounters the police? What can we do to um, make the police take notice of, of, of our kids and, and keep our kids safe? What do we need to do? So she was asking what needed to be done. Another one of our young ladies, her mother talked about the same thing, just what can we do? What about voting? What can we do? Are we victims in all of this? A lot of good questions came out of it. And we had law enforcement on that first call, which was really, really important so they could help the kids understand what they saw. And the law enforcement said, hands down, you know, this is inappropriate. This was not acceptable policing. This is not what we all do. Referencing the death of George Floyd. The death of George Floyd. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the kids needed to hear that because, again, you know, you kind of paint everybody with a broad brush. So this is how police do. And it's not all police. So our policemen really did a good job of calling it what it was, which was inappropriate, unacceptable, not good policing. And they even commented, the kids asked, what about the others that were standing watching? You know, what about them? And they said, that's not good policing. You're not supposed to stand and watch these things. They should have acted as well. So they were very, very candid with our kids. But these are also the policemen that have participated in our law enforcement training program. One of the guests was Stan Campbell, a former lieutenant and the founder of DOPE, de-escalating officer patrol encounters. Stan was a guest on the first episode of Asha Voices, the same episode as Pam Wiley. I asked Pam what she was hearing from Stan and from other guests at the town hall. And I asked her what the reaction was when they took questions from the participants of the town hall and their families. They talked about autism because, again, they're aware of it. And they talked about how, you know, oftentimes police just, they think they have the training. They don't always have the proper training. And the one training, I, I actually attended a training, and it was done by a mom who happened to be Caucasian, who happened to have a son that was pretty involved in his autism. She brought him there, and she spoke about autism to the police. And I couldn't help but think to myself, when it ended, well, you've described your child, and your child is also not a black child. He's a white child. So chances of him getting a pass are far greater than an African-American child. And also, you're describing autism as if that is autism, but we know it's a spectrum disorder. So there are kids on all ends of the spectrum. But the average kid that, that's higher functioning, especially my kids here in LA, my kids are very involved in the community and they look like the community. And so that means that they're gonna be vulnerable to a lot of the negative stereotypes, images, and behaviors that, that police may demonstrate against our kids. So that was my concern. So as I sat there listening to her, I thought, you know, you really need a professional to come in to give a professional presentation versus from the perspective of a mom, unless that mom is also a professional that's worked with a range of kids with autism. So a lot of the training I think that is given sometimes, it may be training, but I don't think it's necessarily where it needs to be. It needs to be by a hands-on practitioner, even someone that stands up from a textbook and says, here's what autism looks like. If you get a practitioner like me, I can talk about it from every angle. I can see it through many different lenses and I can explain it better because I know there's no one face of autism. 
But if you didn't know better, when I listened to that, um, as I said, that presentation, you would just think that this was autism. But I didn't think it did justice to the many faces of autism out there, the many kids that are out there. And, and when we also have the police that do our law enforcement training with us, I also give them a survey and they all say they've had training, but they learn more in the weekend working directly with the kids and I than if they were to sit in these two hour sessions and have a lecture. So that hands on interpersonal experience really makes a big difference. And that's that's the piece that's missing. And that's that's the part that worries me in terms of the safety of our kids with law enforcement. Going back to the town hall, I guess I'm just kind of wondering what the reaction was at the end of the conversation at all of the town halls. They walked away feeling more comfortable. The phone calls decreased. They felt like they had been given information that would make a difference. Because again, what, what they were doing is, you know, if you look at, at what you saw on TV, we would all be afraid. So we kind of took the fear out of it. We went back to, you know, this is not all police. This is one policeman. So you don't have to be fearful of the police. And then to see Lieutenant Stan and Hiram Murray, the police that actually worked with these kids, to see them on the town hall meeting also gave them a sense of security. And so they felt like some of their needs were met. And they all talked about what they learned. One young man said that he learned that it's important to build positive relationships with the police, the neighborhood and the community. One of them said, comply with the police. I believe the police are here to serve and protect me. And all police are not bad people. So again, these are positive things. My one young man, though, that is kind of streetwise, he pretty much hung on to his beliefs. And he said that he said that the police seem to live in a fantasy world, infantilizing people, and that we should be questioning the police system as a whole. So he had some things that were a little more positive, but, but he came in with his mind pretty much made up. But the others mm-hmm. were all pretty positive. Is this unusual for you to host this type of a town hall that's a reaction to current events in this way? This is the first time we've done something like this. Yeah, this is the first time. And again, you know, these are very different times for us. So we're doing everything virtually anyway with these kids. And I thought, you know, if I had them at the office, I could look them face to face and we could really talk. But I said, I can't get to everybody. So the best way to get to them is is to, to do this town hall. And it just was amazing and and to have so many people on it and feel really good about it. It did exactly what I wanted it to do. Since we last spoke, Pam's facilitated more town halls as a part of a series on voting. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll have more with Pam Wiley as we talk about her workplace social skills and employment readiness program that helps those she works with find meaningful employment. Support for Asha Voices comes from Asha's online conference, Practical Solutions for Elementary Assessment, Treatment, and Collaboration. From September 23rd to October 12th, this continuing education opportunity will explore topics and approaches for assessment and intervention for elementary students with various communication difficulties. You can earn up to 2.4 Asha CEUs, save $100 when you register. Learn more at on.asha.org elementary. In the second half of my conversation with Pam Wiley, we talked about an employment program she runs. It's called the Workplace Social Skills and Employment Readiness Program, and it helps young adults transition from high school into meaningful employment. I asked Pam for an overview of the program. 
It's a program. It's basically like 10 months to 12 month training program. And we put kids uh, into a, a program that basically teaches them the social skills needed to navigate effectively in the workplace because kids with autism have the highest unemployment rate of all the other groups of, of disabilities. Not that they can't do the work, but I'm convinced that a lot of it has to do with the, the impaired social interaction. We know that's a hallmark feature of the disorder. So we started our program. It's now been going on, I think, since 2015, 2016, maybe. We basically get kids in, we train them with all the social skills, and then we find jobs for them consistent with their interests and their skill sets. So we have kids doing a number of things. We have one young man who works in a library because he said, I don't like people, but I love books. Uh, we had another kid that had an internship at a, a exotic bird store because he loved birds. We have other kids that are in corporate America. So we've been able to put kids in several different choice places of employment, and it's consistent with what they're interested in doing. That's our program. So they go through the training and then we help to find them jobs and we actually follow them. So we not only work with the kids, we then train our corporate partners before our kids come. So we work with them so they understand about autism, the kids they're getting, how they can become familiar with workplace accommodations, uh, and also the benefits of hiring kids with ASD. And everybody, uh, all the corporate people that I have worked with that have hired our kids have come back independently, individually, and said the same thing, that our kids have made such a difference in their company. So it's been very, very positive. The workplace often involves different social skills from other parts of our lives. What are some of the social skills that you're working on with these kids? Just how to even enter a room, how to speak, how to interview for a job, how to be flexible, workplace idioms. You know, what does it mean we need to hit the ground running? What does that mean? understanding no, being able to switch from one task to another, because we know a lot of our kids, they like routine. So what happens when that routine is affected? First thing we, we talk about, though, with them is, is understanding their autism. How does that work in the workplace? So if you're someone that likes peace and quiet, would you go to a job that's got a hustle bustle environment? Probably not. Would you fare well? Is that what you want? No. So we go through that and then go into uh, workplace advocacy. We train the kids how to interview, but also once you get a job, what are the things you need to know? How do you manage to peacefully coexist in the workplace? And what is bullying? So just a range of things. And then the last thing we cover with them is daily living. So now you've gotten this job. A lot of our kids, we've had one that's moved out and now lives independently. What does that look like? What does independence look like? What do you need to do? It just covers everything from the very beginning, what is autism, to now that you've gotten the job, you want to move out, what, is it, what does independence look like? Pam told me about the support that LA Speech and Language Therapy Center provides, including peer mediation. So if one person is having an issue at work, they can bring it up in class. She told me about one person who would sign in for work on their timesheet on days they hadn't yet worked. She said that person wanted to make sure they didn't forget to sign the timesheet. They just wanted to get it done ahead of time. And so that very thing about signing in ahead of time, that became one of my lessons in class. And then what we work with is peer mediation. So what do the other kids feel about this? So rather than Dr. Wiley standing saying, here's what needs to be done, the kids talked about it and they said, yeah, but what happens if you get sick and you don't make it? And then he said, well, I, I mean, I hadn't planned on not making it. And they said, yeah, but things happen. It really teaches the kids how to, to problem solve. One thing I think is interesting about the program is that it focuses on meaningful work, not just a job, but a job that really sparks interest in the employee. So why is that a priority in this program? I, it's because I think that's that's what I would want for my own kids, and that's what I have. I'm in a profession that I love, so I don't dread coming to work. It's consistent with who I am. I like to talk, so 
I talk to kids, I talk to adults. So I just think that there's there's a real benefit to having uh, employment that's meaningful to you, that challenges you, that fulfills you. These jobs are out there for these kids too. I just feel like we don't do the cattle call. So for me, making sure that the kids go where they want to go is what we want to do. And, and the other piece that you find is that there are so many people out there that are interested in helping. They don't know how to help. And when I approach them in any different setting, I don't care where I am, if I find out that you're someone that could possibly open doors for our kids, we invite them to the center, we let them meet our kids. And I always say the kids are the secret weapon. Once you meet the kids, how do you say no to that? And then they're just ready to do whatever needs to be done. And that's pretty much how we've opened so many of these doors, me being out and about in the community and then bringing people to the center to see what we do. I don't think I mentioned, but we have an Outback uh, Steakhouse Training Center here. We have a UPS store, the first of its kind nationwide training center here. And CVS Pharmacy is also putting in a training center for me. So that's also good because I can teach the kids all the skills in a very safe setting. So when they go out, now they're really well prepared. That's incredible. Are you hearing anything from them right now during the pandemic where a lot of the jobs are either put on hold or or have been have ended? All of our kids have been furloughed. Not all. The young man at CVS is still working. A couple of the kids are essential workers at uh, Metrolink, but most of them are furloughed and the companies still keep in touch with us. They'll call just to check in to see how the kids are doing and how they're faring. We had one person from Outback Steakhouse. I said, you know, you guys had several of our kids working in different locations, doing different things. The kids still talk about you guys so fondly. So he actually came on and did one of our virtual classes, just talking to them about what to expect when you come back to work. Here are the changes we're putting in place and we're slowly but surely bringing people back. And right now, you know, I mean, it was just amazing. And you just saw the um, anxiety drain from the faces of the kids that were trying to understand, you know, I don't have a job to go to. Are they going to call me back? What's going to happen? So, you know, bringing them in to talk to our kids has been been amazing. Pam Wiley, thank you for your time this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Pam says the kids in the employment program are still furloughed. And at the LA Speech and Language Therapy Center, she says much of the work is continuing virtually. In some cases, she says they're developing hybrid models of service delivery, too. We'll be back next week with another new episode of the podcast. You can always send a topic recommendation or suggestion by email. Reach us at podcast at asha.org. Asha Voices is produced by the American Speech Language Hearing Association and comes from the team behind the Asha Leader magazine. Support for Asha Voices comes from Asha's online conference on voice. It's called Practical Solutions for Elementary Assessment, Treatment, and Collaboration, and it begins September 23rd. Save $100 when you register. Learn more at on.asha.org elementary. Production assistance comes from Pamela Lawrence. I'm J.D. Gray, and this is ASHA Voices.